0: Freedom hut.
1: The Kenosha riots turn into a war zone. Will Democrats pay a price for this lawlessness? A critical update in the George Floyd case and RNC Night 2 coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show.
0: Where the mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One call. Make no mistake. America.
2: Great. You're a great American. Again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. As soon as I saw the first video clips, it was clear what had happened last night. It was obvious, and it was expected. You had the continued rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Not a place that people usually think of as being full of uh, not only rioters, but now increasingly looks like urban warfare going on. But the BLM movement thinks that it is going to achieve justice by burning down businesses, attacking courthouses, throwing rocks at cops, all the stuff that we've seen. You know, the Democrat Party has a very large, a very considerable megaphone at its disposal when it chooses to use it. We know this because they can, for example, create a massive lie about Russia collusion and get almost half the country to believe it. So just imagine what they could do. Imagine the role they could play in calming things down if they were willing to come forward and roundly condemn this madness for what it is, which is just the rage of the left-wing mob. That's what we see happening here. People who are MSNBC and CNN watchers, or spend too much time reading the Huff Post or the New York Times, or whatever their local newspapers—I'm sure there's a lot of libs writing there too—but people that have been brainwashed from the academy through university, Hollywood, and even now in corporate uh, corporate training sessions into believing all this craziness—they now are taking to the streets for months and ruining neighborhoods and making everything worse for everyone. But it was really just a matter of time until this started to become a lethal issue. It was just a matter of time before BLM caused people to die. Now, there were some early on deaths from the BLM movement, including David Dorn in St. Louis. Not a lot of media attention paid to any of that. But those were people that they would say, those were incidents that were just specific acts of criminality that were not related to the protest that's what they'll tell you it's a lie of course but that's what they'll say but now what we have are street clashes between rioters and those who refuse to allow their neighborhoods allow stores gas stations to be burned to the ground in some act of performative democrat rage Do not forget, friends, and I don't care if it's repetitive. I don't care if it annoys people. These are Biden voters who are doing this. These are people who listen to Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, and mainstream media outlets. These are people who believe celebrities. They believe LeBron James. They believe Rachel Maddow on the news side. They believe these people who come forward to tell them that black men are being systematically hunted and murdered by racist cops which is a narrative that is not only incorrect, not only wrong on the facts, it is insane. As I told you yesterday, you are more likely to be struck by lightning and killed than to be a black man who is unarmed and killed by police in this country. Considerably more, actually, by a factor of, depending on the year, at least three or four times. So you're a lot more likely to be killed by lightning. This is just... How statistics work. This is just what numbers tell us, but nonetheless, this is the storyline. This is what people believe, and so we saw last night what that can mean. We saw there were individuals who were, as I understand it, legally armed. You don't always know, right? Someone could be a convicted can be a convicted felon. A felon in possession is also itself a felony. But you have people doing open carry. They've got semi-automatic rifles and they were refusing to allow businesses to be burned down. Notice how there's never any violence that occurs with those who are trying to defend these properties. That never happens during the day. They're not going after protesters. They're not allowing rioters to pretend to be protesters so they have cover for their destructive activities. That's an entirely different thing. And that's why, as I continue to see this play out, None of this is in the least bit surprising. If we had an honest press, if we had an honest media, everybody would know that these are rioters. What they're doing is disgraceful. And the Democrat Party has now created a Frankenstein monster of a movement. I know the Frankenstein's the doctor, not the monster, but I'm saying the monster that Dr. Frankenstein created. They've got a movement here that they cannot control. They they don't know what to do now. They're recognizing the optics. It's quite a counter-programming Decision to have riots going on in Wisconsin, rocks being thrown at cops while the RNC is happening and people are being told that America is a great place and we love our legal immigrants and we we love all the different contributions that are made, whether it's from a Cuban refugee or from our black uh, American brothers and sisters here. I mean, just all across the board, all these messages of hope and inclusiveness and Actual unity in the American dream, and then you got Democrats out there burning crap down, throwing rocks at police, and now people have died—two shot dead, one uh, seriously wounded—and it's all available to be seen on on social media. You there, there's video of the shooting. You had it's. It's not all the details around that are not entirely clear just yet. Uh, but we do know the following. There, there was someone with a semi-automatic rifle who was trying to prevent, it is believed, trying to prevent the rioters from burning down a gas station. And then uh, a, the, a, a group of people rush at a gunman and they try to hit him and attack him. If you run at somebody with a semi-automatic rifle and try to fly kick him and hit him with a skateboard and you get shot... What are we supposed to think about that? Do these, you know, costume play make believe revolutionaries that are Democrats, you know, MSNBC watchers, do, do they not understand that when somebody has a gun and if you attack them, there is an elevation of force that's going to happen immediately because they have to be thinking, what if they turn the gun on me? So even if, as you assault somebody who has a rifle, you think, "Well, I'm not going to try. I'm not trying to kill this person. I'm just trying to mess him up," they're not going to see it that way. They have a weapon on them that can instantly kill them if it's turned on them. So how how surprised are we supposed to be that someone who is uh, swinging a skateboard at a person gets shot and is killed? What are all of these idiots in the streets doing? What do they think they're accomplishing? What did they believe was going to happen by rushing somebody with a semi-automatic rifle? That he was just not going to use it? It's a very dangerous game they played and unfortunately a couple of people seem to have lost. What a waste. What a, a waste and a disgrace on top of it. This, there's no reason for this to happen. Now Now the, the narrative we were told, the, the story that was initially shared here that uh, the man who w- was initially killed that set this whole thing off was trying to break up a fight, uh, that, that, it turns out, was not true. Now, now we're told increasingly it's uh, not the case. that. Oh, well, first of all, we, we should never believe. We should never think it's true what the media first tells us. But he wasn't trying to break up a fight um jacob blake 29 years old she's not killed but he was shot and paralyzed uh he that wasn't true i want to know was there a gun in his car that's a critical piece of information the pressure i haven't seen any confirmation one way or the other did he have a weapon in the car we should know that one way or the other i don't know but we should know that that's not hard to figure out but of course the full video wasn't released it was an edited version of it right Edited to change the context, to change our understanding of events. All videos, you could argue, in some way are edited. And now we see what that leads to. I do believe, finally, the Democrats are recognizing that their decision to turn Kenosha into Fallujah isn't going to play well with Wisconsin soccer moms in November. I think they understand that. They're starting to see that they can't play this, oh, what riots game much longer. No, we see who the Democrats are. We see what they're willing to do to get their way going into this election. And they have blood on their hands. The fancy TV news anchors who pretend that Black Lives Matter is not a a Marxist group that seeks to undermine and destroy this country and set us against each other. Uh, All of the corporations that were sending the huge payoffs. The cowardice around this issue has been truly jaw-dropping it's stunning oh blm people in the beginning i even hear republican politicians all the time the legitimate concerns what are the legitimate concerns of blm well what are they the the foundation of blm the foundational story is a lie that white cops kill black men unarmed black men uh constantly systematically and without consequence because they're racist that's a lie and we keep seeing this. Mike Brown, hands up, don't shoot a lie. I'll get into the big update on George Floyd in a little bit, but oh, get ready for more riots there, too, folks. What, what do they think is being advanced here? By by uh, having, you know, federal federal harassment of law enforcement officers who are actually doing overwhelming and doing a very good job. That's going to make people safer. No, we've already run this experiment. The Democrats pretend that whether it's Eric Holder's Justice Department or now hearing this from Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, if only we had police reform, things would be better. You know what Democrat police reform is? It's having the DOJ look through everything in a police department, harass everybody, frighten everybody. They might get not just lose their job, they could become a national, you know, national scapegoat for for racism, for something they didn't even do or that's being misconstrued. And more minorities die in the community while the police are being nagged, harassed by the federal government. That's what actually happens in these cases. I don't really tell you that. More people die, nothing is accomplished. And that's if you take them at their word that what they want is police reform. I don't think that that's really the mission of this at all. That's just the cover story. What do they really want? What are we seeing in the streets? People who are upset, people who are angry. We're talking about BLM and Antifa, people who are losers. These are not happy people. These are not the winners of our society. They're not individuals with stable, supportive family and friend relationships with great jobs and and, and great prospects for the future increasingly you can see this i mean just look at the videos of antifa and 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 blm these are individuals who hate this country who hate this society they were screaming blank america last night and you know tear america down burn america down to the ground they were screaming kill cops last night in kenosha screaming it on video i have there's so much footage out there i could play some of for you here except it's just a lot of bleeps and a lot of yelling Normal, moral, well-adjusted, worthwhile people don't yell, kill cops. They don't yell, burn this country down. And they shouldn't be out there on the streets at all doing this stuff at night. Law and order needs to be restored. The Democrats are completely feckless and gutless when it comes to dealing with this issue. They don't know what to do. This is BLM and Antifa are like, Wayward family members for the Democrats. It's like when somebody has a kid in the playground that's, you know, smashing all the other kids in the face with the, with a shovel in the sandbox, and the parents are like, Well, you know, it's not perfect. What are you gonna do? Still love my kid. Sorry. Hopefully your kid's eye's gonna stay in one place, right? I mean that's what we are dealing with with this Democrat Party. They thought it would be useful, but now they realize it's a liability and they are gonna do everything they can to try to just convince people this has nothing to do with them or it's not that big a deal they even tried republicans caused it a few weeks ago remember that in portland oh it's because trump said in federal law enforcement you know what they could use right now in kenosha some federal law enforcement you know they could use national guard and i'm just going to tell you this it's a scary thought but it's a real one it's true if men in maga hats were burning down businesses and engaging in mob, violence, and intimidation on a nightly basis in any American city, the same cowards of the Democrat Party right now who either ignore or downplay what's happening would be calling for the National Guard to fire live rounds into crowds of those MAGA hat wearers. They would be be demanding the use of lethal force to shut this down. You know it's true, and I know it's true. That's the mentality of the left. That's who we're really dealing with. This is a rotten ideology that is trying to ruin this country. We're not trying to negotiate with them. We need to defeat them.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. This
3: morning, get up, come down here, and... I I what I see I was not prepared for. I knew it was going to be a disaster but I didn't know
1: what a disaster looked like till I saw it.
4: And you, and you, I can hear the the emotion in,
1: in just in what you're saying. I mean, what is what is the family feeling right now? It's tough.
3: Um, you know, this is a business that, that my parents started 40 years ago, small out of their garage, was a, a small business. Uh, did it just to make a few extra dollars, and eventually it grew. Um, 31 years ago, they bought this building, and so we've been here ever since. Um, they they're very upset about it. It's emotionally hurtful uh, but we didn't do anything to anybody yeah, why do we deserve it
1: so wisconsin business owner up in kenosha asking a question that i think should be posed right to every democrat running for office in the country why should these business owners have their livelihoods destroyed their lives ruined what, what did they do they they didn't hurt george floyd they didn't hurt uh, any of the people involved in this Right? They, they didn't uh, hurt Jacob Blake. What's the, what's the justification for this? Well, there can be no justification. It's immoral. It's wrong. It's criminal, too. And those entrusted with the power of the state are supposed to care about that. Criminal violations like this are supposed to be severely punished. Not justified, not downplayed, not uh, talked about as other part of some new civil rights movement. This is not about any of that. This is about rage. This is class warfare. This is turning envy in society and in different communities into a political weapon and then having people take real weapons into their hands because of the rhetoric around all of it. It's appalling what's going on. And uh, the Democrats are behind the whole thing. If this had been from the beginning shouted down on a bipartisan basis, if we had been told that this was completely unacceptable with one voice across the country it might it might not have gotten off the ground quite the same way that it has instead what do we see a complete and utter disaster and also something that i think the democrats are starting to realize is going to be a problem for them and it should they deserve and i want to say this right now the Democrats deserve to lose this upcoming election for the presidency, for control of Congress. The Democrats deserve to be punished at the ballot box for their cowardice, their recklessness, and their stupidity on this issue of law and order and on their support for the BLM movement and Antifa and all the rest of it. So all of their tears, if Trump wins, they will have earned it. They will have earned that misery. It's not even about how much better I think Trump would be than President uh, would be then uh, then Biden. It's about justice. which they don't even understand what that word means. What was it like on the ground in Kenosha last night? Someone's going to join and tell us in a second. Thanks for listening to
0: the Buck, Sex Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the
1: iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's bring you a view from right there in the middle of the action on the ground in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Our friend Julio Rosas joins us now from Town Hall, where he's a senior writer. He was there last night and witnessed some of the mayhem, some of the violence, including when the gunfire rang out. Julio, glad you're safe, man. Thank you for being with us.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, tell us, what did you see? I mean, walk us through. Give us uh, your version of the, of the timeline here, uh, starting with what, the, the courthouse riots, and then it moved on, and then take us to the shooting. I know you were present and right there. Tell us what happened.
5: So uh, a crowd started to gather outside the uh, Kenosha County Courthouse around 8.30. Uh, It didn't take very long for it to become violent. They were shaking the fence. They were trying to tear it down. That uh, resulted in police and National Guard having to come out to push them away from the fence. And uh, and armored armored trucks uh, were used uh, from the county sheriff's office uh, and they eventually declared it an unlawful assembly. They used tear gas, pepper balls, rubber bullets, uh, because the crowd was throwing all sorts of projectiles, rocks, bottles, and fireworks. And, and so they finally pushed everyone out of the park, but a lot of people still stayed out in the street, and so they kept just kind of inching their way. And ha-
1: where where back, are you during all further, this?
5: Further down the road. Uh, right, right there.
1: Right there. <laughs> right there yeah. in the
5: park and, and, and right there on, on the street. and And so... Uh, as the rioters were being pushed back, that's when they ran into these armed civilians that have been uh, coming out in recent days to help protect to get, uh, businesses and private property from being burned down or from being looted. And there were some confrontations uh, that were just verbal, uh, but then that uh, probably five blocks, six blocks down from the county courthouse is where the first shooting took place, and I wasn't present for that one. Uh, but when I was running up to the gunshots, that's when I saw uh, the, the, the young man in question uh, being chased uh, by the crowd. Uh, they were saying that he shot somebody and, and he tripped and fell. And that's when two people jumped on top of him. He got hit in the head with a skateboard. Uh, they, there was a brief uh, fight over control of, the, of his rifle. Uh, one of the guys that attacked him had a handgun. And, and he popped off a lot of rounds to get people away from him. He caught one guy in the right arm, uh, and then he was able to uh, eventually get up and, and walk away. And that's when police, uh, who had been hanging back this entire time, uh, pulled up into the area to help secure it because there's also other people who were injured.
1: So, so just to, to be very clear here, Julio, so you were there on the scene covering this from the courthouse. It then spills over, let's say, four or five, uh, five or six blocks, you said. Um, And there are some confrontations between armed individuals protecting businesses and this mob that was pushed away from the rioters, pushed away from the courthouse. There was a shooting that you you did not witness, but I'm assuming you you heard. Um, And then it is believed that the that somebody that they thought was uh, a shooter in that incident, you saw him. He runs away from the scene of that first shooting and people accost him, including somebody with a handgun. And then this is the video that I believe a lot of us have seen that's circling, right? This is the video that everyone, where a guy runs up and hits him with a skateboard, and there are a couple, there's, there's kind of a, a little melee, you know, a g- grappling that occurs between a few people on the ground, and then you hear a bunch of shots popped off. Were those shots what led to the two, fa- two fatalities? And you saw this in real time. W- what were you thinking?
5: Uh, well, I was thinking I had to record what was happening as best as I could, but I also had to get to safety uh, because in the video that I, that I took, you could also hear uh, gunfire uh, erupting behind from behind me. I, I I don't know where exactly it was, but so it was kind of between a rock and a hard place for a second because I couldn't, I didn't want to go back any further because again, I didn't know where, where the gunshots were coming from.
1: And and so, but so the the two people who were killed was that from that incident that you saw on the ground?
5: No, no, I I. I no, so the, the, uh, from from my understanding, because uh,
1: people were hit in that one. that got
5: shot, it, yeah, in the head. He got shot in the head, but that was at the uh, car dealership, which was down the road, and that that was the scene of the first shooting. The second person that got shot and killed, I believe, was was also uh, w- was at the scene that I witnessed from down the road from from the uh, car dealership, and then and then that third person was was hit in the arm.
1: So. So the, the third person hit in the arm, he he survived. Somebody else, uh, the, the the person shot in the head, and there's video of that that I've seen as well, where I, I believe it's a reporter from the Daily Caller takes off his shirt and tries to to yeah, but, handle the bleeding. But she, yeah, yeah, but, but, okay. but not uh, that that person still that person died, even though I believe they got him to the hospital pretty quickly. Two other shootings there on the ground. What what were the the exchanges that you saw uh, between? The rioters and these armed individuals guarding businesses, uh, you know, who who was the aggressor from what you saw? Or how did those unfold? Because I think this is going to be what everyone's asking in in the days ahead. Uh, Why would these protests look at that rioters? Why would these rioters believe (laughs) that they should confront people armed with semi-automatic rifles? It just it seems beyond belief. Yeah,
5: right, and 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 so the the thing you have to keep in mind, there's been this kind of narrative that's kind of emerging saying that there were white supremacists. Um, I personally have not seen any evidence to that, because uh, the people that I've talked to, uh, or, or the people that are involved in this group that I've talked to, they they say that they support the protests. They understand why people are so upset. I will have with Jacob Jacob Blake from from the information that we know right now about that case, and so. The reason why they're there is because they draw the line at at destroying businesses and people's livelihoods that had nothing to do with what happened to jacob blake and so and the whole reason why they had to be they felt they had to be out there in the first place was because the police and national guard up until that point were mostly focused on securing the courthouse where you know the rest of the town kind of be damned and so it that's kind of what, what, what we're seeing and so and so in terms of why they were uh being accosted by the crowd It's just because they 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 were they're just viewing them as white people with guns. And, and, you know, they just don't think that that's a good thing. Uh, And and they were trying to say, hey, we're on your side. But they just weren't really having it.
1: We're speaking to Julio Rosas. He's a senior writer at uh, townhall.com. He was there last night at the Kenosha riot and and even saw one of the exchanges of gunfire that occurred. Um, So, uh, Julio, we're, we're glad you're safe, man. I mean, that's that's uh, above and beyond when when gunfire like that's ringing out and to be nearby um you got to be you obviously got to be very concerned about your own safety but but here you are that's the good news let me ask you what in that first incident where the man was shot in the head and killed do you have do you have you heard from other reporters in the scene or do, do you know from people you talk to what what is alleged to have happened there uh,
5: what was so prior to the shooting the the the, the Cars in that parking lot were being were being targeted. They were being destroyed. they were in the process of being and and, and then uh, uh, after the shooting, uh, a car was on fire, and so uh, it, it, the rioters have been targeting a lot of these uh, parking lots filled with cars. I mean, a Sunday night we saw that big giant one uh, that and actually some survived that that night. But then the but then Monday night they the rioters set fire to the remaining cars that had survived so I, I from from what we can tell the 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 gentleman that that was involved in the shooting he was trying to stop uh people destroying those cars and and uh there's a video that was taken from across the street where you see him running up and then someone from behind him throws something that was on fire at him as he was running up into to that parking lot so you can't really see what was happening because a, a car was kind of in the way uh, of of that uh, incident and so it, it, it just kind of remains to be seen uh, if if he was being attacked or if he decided to shoot first. Uh, we, we just don't really have uh, answers to those questions right now.
1: Where were police during all this? You mentioned they were focused on protecting the county courthouse, but there were... I saw Bearcat vehicles in that video where there was the exchange of gunfire that killed at least one person. And then the shooter seemed like he was handing himself in on the video. He walked toward these police vehicles. But I read today that they didn't arrest him, and then now they're looking for him. I, I don't know if he's going to turn himself in or, or how that's going to play out. But I mean, po- police were doing what while this was all unfolding?
5: They were just standing behind. I mean, they they like I said, they were they were slowly trying to push people further and further away from the courthouse, and they it was it was kind of weird. So before the shooting, about two minutes before the shooting, they were just kind of a standstill it was just kind of a lull and everything but like, um and i was kind of looking around be like "All right, well what's next what's gonna happen and then that's when the shooting uh started to take place uh so there's about three to four minutes where there was gunfire uh being eru- erupting in multiple places uh before police in, in their bearcat vehicles pulled up and then uh, i came in through another street and there were more officers coming. But so there was about there was about three or four minutes where it was just it was just absolute chaos.
1: And you did see, uh, Julio, there that there were rioters who were armed. Or you mentioned someone had a handgun who went after one of the I, I don't know what we call them. You know, uh, people are referring to it as a as a militia or, armed, or something, but armed civilian, armed civilian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but, you know, I mean, I guess they're kind of all armed civilians in a sense. But one of the rioters was armed
5: yes yes and, and actually uh, the, uh, a photographer who, who I know he, he took he took a photo of of the man who got shot in the arm he's actually still holding the handgun in his hand in in the arm that he had a huge chunk blown out so it, it, it was a very very uh, hairy hairy situation yeah I mean, and, look. Uh, the, and actually it was fortunate for them because the hospital Kenosha hospital was right across the street from the car dealership.
1: Julio, glad you're safe, man. Thank you for doing what you do and bringing us some ground truth about what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin last night. Julio Rosas, look for his work at townhall.com. Stay safe, Julio. Thank you.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: You have at the convention the sons of a billionaire. Who inherited $400 million, talking about fear, stirring fear, trying to stir fear uh, among white voters in the suburbs that the blacks are coming to get you. Uh, and talking about the fear, making up, just making things up. Talking about the fear, they're coming for you. They're going to abolish the suburbs. Gangs are coming to your neighborhoods and are going to kill you and your families.
1: I mean, Joe Scarborough might be the dumbest or the most dishonest person on television now. But he's just backed himself into this corner. He does the bidding of his paymasters at MSNBC. He's a disgrace, right? He's don't even we won't we won't get into the whole, you know, your co-host and she was married and you were married and the whole thing. I mean, the guy's the guy's disgraceful. He is utterly disgraceful. He's a he's a decrepit human being who was a huge Trump booster when he thought it was good for his career. And now, of course, he's turned on him and and his viciousness has even uh, exacerbated his stupidity. But making up stories about gangs attacking people, there are videos of gangs attacking people every night. And by the way, it's not about what color anyone in the gang is. They're gangs. There are people who are white who are engaged in these mob attacks. There are people who are black who are engaged in these mob attacks. This is the Democrat mob. But by trying to make it sound like Trump is only talking about Republicans are only talking about uh, black members of these mobs on the streets, just exacerbating that racial tension, just just push that division even more when this is about ideology. This is not about skin color msnbc they keep keep playing oh yeah joe scarborough can we just talk joe scarborough this guy is like the super douche from every country club in america and and he's gonna lecture people on race relations come on really it's unbelievable oh oh yeah oh he cares so much about minorities sure he does what from his mansion in florida uh, the, the the pandering. These people are such frauds, such frauds. When was the last time Joe Scarborough spent the night in a majority black neighborhood? I I really want to I want to know the answer. That of course you would say, oh, when I was a reporter, I would not you know, I don't mean thirty years ago. When was the last time he did that? Guys, no n- no idea what the heck he's talking about. But he's dis- he's disgusting. He's a disgusting moron. He's talking about how Trump inherited all this money. What does he think his co-host is so special for? Slash wife. Oh, is it because she has a fancy last name that opened a lot of doors for her? Otherwise, she's a what? She's a total. uh, Nothing. She's got nothing to add, nothing to say. Just suck up to the right people in the corporate media and have a last name that people know from decades ago in government. (sighs) But the good news is that, well, for one, we're seeing that this is. You just don't believe Joe Scarborough. Believe the videos you see of gangs assaulting officers and people on the street and surrounding them and shouting at them and threatening them and cursing in their faces. And, you know, Joe Scarborough's fine with all that. He doesn't have a bad word to say about that. No problem. None. And then remi- remind yourselves that some Democrats, you know, occasionally, I will say occasionally, Don Lemon. He says the quiet part out loud. He says something that's unintentionally insightful. And this is
4: this is one of those moments over at CNN. Play clip three. When you said it's too little, too late. I don't know about that. I mean, we still have a lot of time left until Election Day. And I do think that uh, this what you said was happening in Kenosha is a Rorschach test for the entire country. And I think this is a blind spot for Democrats I think Democrats are ignoring this problem or hoping that it will go away and it's not going to go away. And so unless someone comes up with a solution over the next 73 days or 70, so however many days, 68, like, 68 days, 68 days. So it's not going to, the, the problem is not going to be fixed by then. But guess what? The rioting has to stop Chris, as you know, and I know it's showing up in the polling, mm-hmm. it's showing up in focus groups. It is the only thing. It is the only thing right now that is sticking. And the Democrats tonight stuck with that, right? And they also stuck with the theme that you said, the coronavirus. You got coronavirus, and you have Kenosha.
1: It's showing up in the polls, he says. Notice how that's the problem. Don Lemon, millionaire. Chris Cuomo, millionaire. They don't give. They don't give a crap. About poor communities or or the plight of of, you know, uh, black men who are struggling in areas where there's not enough jobs, not enough hope, not a future. They don't care about any of that. They pretend to because that makes their audience eh, Everyone in the audience gets to feel good about themselves. Right. Everyone, you know, in Santa Monica watching CNN from their two million dollar condo gets think, oh, yeah, I really I really care about minorities. That's why I watch CNN and, and Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon. They're really good guys. But Don Lemon spoke the truthful part out loud. He said it. The problem here isn't that people are literally dying in the streets over the lies of the BLM movement. That's not the problem for Democrats. That's a problem for normal, moral, rational people. It's that swing voters are starting to see this, and the polling is showing them saying, "Uh, you Democrats are out of your minds. You guys are crazy. There's something deeply wrong with you and that's not good if you want to win ohio and florida and pennsylvania and wisconsin who could have thought that when people told democrats they had to treat wisconsin like a battleground they would take it quite so literally thanks for
0: listening to the bus Sex, and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast
1: the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts democrats know this needs to stop This has now become a political liability for them. Remember how I I tell you frequently on this show that the only thing Democrats really care about is power and, and that they'll do anything to get it. But remember, there are things that help them in that pursuit and there are things that hurt. So there are limitations, right? The Democrats aren't going to do anything. There are some places, there are some lines that if they cross, they do so at the peril of their purpose. They want power. That's what they want more than anything else. So if it's going to be a risk to them, they are willing to change course. It's not about morality. It's not about decency or what's best for the country. It's about, whoa, you mean we're not going to win if this keeps up? OK, got to figure something else out. We're just beginning to see that now. It's taken a while. You have the, the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, I believe, telling people in, uh, over Twitter That, okay, we're going to hold people responsible for the rioting. Enough is enough. Let's get back to the work of social justice and stop with this stuff. And people are just amazed. This is the governor of a state that has had months, months of nightly riots in its biggest city. And just now she's saying, well, you know, come on, guys. you got to knock, really got to knock this off. You're really not, you're not helping. You see, that's the change here. It's not the destruction. It's not the threats, the violence, the... Killing the burned down buildings, the ruined businesses, the destroyed local economies. That's not what upsets the Democrats, because that didn't bother them at all when that was happening. Didn't hear about it if it did. Oh, you know, it's a mostly peaceful protest. Their attitude has been all along. You're going to get some of this with an important social justice movement like BLM. You're going to have some of this. You're going to have some of this happening. Um, No, no, that's that's completely unacceptable. This is not speech. This is not political debate. This isn't the free exchange of ideas. This is burning down a car dealership because you're angry about something you saw on TV. It's not the country we want to live in. It's not the society that we are all fighting for every day. Fighting to protect, to preserve, to defend. Not to overturn, not to ruin. And now we're starting to see that it's it's clicking, it's happening. The turning of the tide is occurring because there's been so much of this, and the Democrats said, as remember when Mike Pence was on the show, what was it a couple of weeks ago now, the Vice president's on this show, and he's like, look buck they didn't they didn't have a word to say about these riots, and it's true, it's crazy. You would think that if they really believed the riots were a terrible thing, and they were detracting from the message of BLM. See, but I reject that. I I think that's conceding too much. The riots are bad. I think BLM is not helpful. I think BLM is a bad movement. We've seen it before. It didn't help before. It's based on lies. It's based on division. A lot of animosity toward the the Republican side, toward conservatives at, at the heart of all of this, too. It's a political mobilization. We understand that. But people will say this. They'll say, oh, but it it distracts from the message. The message of having lunatics gather in Washington, D.C. around people trying to have lunch or dinner and scream in their faces. For maniacs in Kenosha to say they want to burn the country down and they want cops to be killed. For people like Sean King, who is perhaps the best known BLM activist and organizer. I mean, this guy is is a a laughable fraud but also dangerous at the same time. You know, he's he's a clown and an imbecile, but that doesn't mean he's not a thug and a danger to to the rest of us because he is. He he said on Twitter and he's got a huge Twitter following and people believe they think that Sean King's all about justice. <sighs> There's so many stupid people in this country. I mean in every country I suppose, but these days the stupid just feels like it's everywhere. Sean King says that unless the Kenosha Police Department names the officer, names the officer that shot um, uh, that shot Blake, then he will, uh, Jacob Blake, then he will name random police officers from the Kenosha Department as the shooter, which is a clear threat against these officers, right? It's You better tell me who did this, or I'm going to pretend other people did it and put them and their families in jeopardy. Which goes to show you so many things all at once. One, Sean King knows that his followers, this movement about justice with BLM, is full of ignorant morons who are willing to use violence against cops. He knows that. He knows that's true. And he knows that the police officer, whenever he is named is going to have to be in protective custody, is going to be under threat. There are going to be people that will call his wife, and if he has kids, they'll threaten them. Strong King has no. Is he saying, guys, don't do that, that this is a movement about justice? This is a movement about what's right? Does he ever... No, of course not. That's great. That's power. That's coercion. That's the rabble-rousing that he's looking for. So he, under, he understands what's going to happen for that officer, and so he also knows, by naming other officers... He is willing to put them, by his own admission, willing to put them in similar jeopardy. Do as I say or I will set the mob on your cops is what the most well-known, you could even argue the leader of the BLM movement, that there is such a thing. That's what he's telling people. Do you think Joe Scarborough, that beady-eyed moron, do you think that he's going to have anything to say about this? No. No. Now, of course not. Do you think that the other multimillionaire TV journalists that unfortunately the journos that unfortunately still have considerable audiences of Democrats who think they're much smarter than they are? That's one thing. Humility exists on the right in a way that the left has long since dispensed with it. People on the right understand that life is hard, there's more to learn, you make mistakes, you're not perfect. That's why they also believe they need God. Uh, people on the left they deify themselves. They think that they have all the answers. Right? This is why they love to show, oh, so many people who are uh, the, the college-educated advantage, among college-educated whites specifically, that Biden has over Trump, all these all these uh, people that didn't go to college who are white vote for Donald Trump as if that's supposed to be some kind of huge slam. Most people that I know who went to college learn nothing in college other than how to have sex with people whose names they barely remember and how to drink until they black out and pretend that they're paying attention during classes that they really barely even show up for. That's most people in their undergraduate programs that I know, especially the smug libs that I know went to undergraduate schools. I'm not saying it's everybody. Some people work very hard in school, but a lot of people. A lot of people have these student loans that they then show up at these protests, these BLM protests, and they complain about You know, this is this is all part of it. No individual agency, no responsibility, no culpability. It's all society. Everything is society's fault. This is why I say there is a childishness at the heart of the Democrat Party now. And it influences. I mean, this is why you've seen a a child that is spoiled and I've never I haven't had children yet working on it. But a child that is spoiled when it throws a tantrum uh, temper tantrum. You know, the parents will try to coddle, try, oh, what can I do? You know, oh, little little Timmy's upset. How do we get him to be happy? And they'll just do everything and everything. Parents that know better, parents that understand. First of all, they usually have children that don't throw tantrums quite the same way, especially in public to cause a real scene. But they can shut that down because that relationship, there's already a, a, an understanding of, of respect and, and family hierarchy with the parents as protectors, but also the disciplinarians within that family. There's nobody playing that role in the Democrat Party right now. It's just, you know, the, the, the temper tantrum squads out there on the streets, and people are dying because of this too, so it's not just like people cry and bang the floor and demand, you know, a candy bar or some Froot Loops or something. No, this is real. This is serious. But the mentality is very similar. The more noise we make, the more we can show how, how upset we are. We, we hold rationality responsibility we hold those things hostage that's what the democrat party is doing even when when J- jacob blake's mother willing to come out and say well uh, we'll hear from her play clip
4: five the the destruction that that has been taking place in cities across the country and in in uh, and in kenosha i heard you you speak about that and my question is you said that you don't want that in jacob's name and neither would he tell me more about that please
6: Absolutely not. My family and I are very hurt and quite frankly, disgusted. And as his mother, please don't burn up property and cause havoc and tear your own homes down in my son's name. You shouldn't do it. People shouldn't do it anyway. But to use... My child or any other mother or father's child, our tragedy, to react in that manner is just not acceptable. Mm. And it's not helping Jacob. It's not helping Jacob or any other of the men or women who has suffered in these areas.
1: She can speak, Jacob Blake's mother can speak more forcefully and truthfully on this issue than it seems any mainstream news anchor that i've seen she has a better understanding of this a better willingness to at least say don't do this stuff than the new york times editorial board look she's a grieving mother and she didn't lose her son but obviously she's going through a tremendous trauma uh, and and we don't we don't ever you know criticize grieving mothers i'm actually giving her credit on this i'm saying uh look she's willing to see this for what it is and say it Think of what would happen if every person with the, think of what would happen if leBron james let's talk, let's talk about somebody with a lot of influence think of what happened if LeBron James did a an, an Instagram video it's it so easy all he has to do is sit down and just look, look in the camera and say, hey we want justice we should be out in the street peacefully marching we should be rep, we should be calling for greater representation in elected office we should change laws we should have more police oversight but if you steal one, one pair of sneakers, one handbag, if you break one store window, if you attack one stranger in the street, or yell in their faces when they've done nothing to you and have no part of this, you are an enemy of this movement. You are an enemy of justice. Why can't LeBron James do that? Or anyone of his stature who supports this movement. Why, why can't they say that? Oh, they won't. They won't. LeBron James won't say it. Joe Biden won't say it. Kamala Harris won't say it. Why not? What could be more clear? And think of the effect. That could save lives. That could save any individual uh, life. It could save specifically black lives. Only peaceful protest. Only organization meant to change the system in a legal fashion. Why don't we ever hear that? Why isn't that the mess? And people say, oh, but they said, no, that's not said. It is not. If it were, I would play it here on the show, and I would clap for it and say, thank you. No one has a problem with peaceful protest. That's not, that's not even a part of the discussion. If it was, we would be hearing about what happens. It's always in daylight, people gather. At night, there's rioting. We, we, we're, no one's showing up with, with rifles at the day, daytime gathering saying, you're not allowed to be here, you can't say this. And look, I think some of the protesters are wrong, and a lot of them are not very smart, but I have no problem with them gathering and sharing their grievances, airing their concerns. But why can't there be a hard and fast line between that called for from within the movement, from within the Democrat apparatus, from people with, in, with bigger platforms than I or anyone listening to this will ever have? Why not say no more violence against innocents, no more destruction of property? That has nothing to do with this. And if you do that, you're an enemy of our movement for justice. It would have such a profound impact. They won't do it. Because there's a lot more support for this from people, at least tacit support, than anybody wants to to admit. You're in the
0: Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
4: But tonight you're seeing another similar theme. There's uh, another focus, particularly showcasing um, what President Trump's done on criminal justice reform. You know, both campaigns, guys, tell me that there is a chance that uh, Donald Trump could overperform with African-American men. It's a concern of the Biden campaign and it's a focus of the Trump campaign
1: and wouldn't that be absolutely wonderful what better repudiation of the far left descent into madness could there be than a a large portion It doesn't have to be a majority or even close to it if you had a doubling of the black vote for donald trump there's you couldn't because you, that would be a, it would be a a massive a seismic change in the trajectory over the last you know 50 60 years if you had a a change in the black vote of even doubling uh, for donald trump what would the left think of itself at that point remember they're they're thinking right now they're, they're positioning themselves as the great defenders of black young black males in america that's the democrat party that's where they get so much of their sanctimoniousness their self-righteousness their sense of purpose is all, oh we're the ones that care that's why they all support blm they don't care that they're, 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 the joe scarborough thing Yeah, yeah, sure, I care about all the, you know, bad stuff that happens with the cops and the young black men, you know. Bring me another martini. And that guy's like sitting sitting on the beach in Florida. Oh, yeah, really tough stuff going on in cities, you know. Where are my servants? Uh, Time to go play croquet. Or pretend that you're a rocker. Uh, Don't even even get me started on that guy. Ugh, what a joke. But he makes MSNBC a joke. He's the conservative on MSNBC, right? Or the Republican or whatever. What a fraud. I don't know how people... I I figure at some point if you make millions of dollars, can't you afford to just not wake up every day and be a puppet of the left? Just be a grotesque joke? Doesn't it matter how you feel? I have turned down jobs because I knew that I would not be able to be myself and say what I really think. Turned down jobs. And I'm somebody who actually needs the money. But couldn't do it couldn't do it i've walked away from things that for me would have been really great i'm not saying it's to, to be like oh look at me but i'm just saying i can expect this from others there's so little the risk for those who have already reached a certain point in this business of media but they really just want to keep their perks their prerogatives. they it's not even about the money they want to be important and whatever that whatever they have to do whatever they have to say to make them feel important that's what they will do but back to what Chuck Todd says about overperforming with African-American men. This would be the single best repudie, other than just, of course, the Trump election, uh, w- winning. Trump winning the election. The single greatest repudiation that I can think of for what we've seen here would be if more and more black Americans realize if they come forward and say, because remember, a million black Americans voted for Donald Trump the last time around. Now, that's one out of ten. That's a a million people. And I think also in these conversations, we have to remember, I mean, the the black community is about 13 13 to 14% of the U.S. population, something like that. We don't have perfect numbers on it, but something like that. So you're looking at maybe 30 to 40 million Americans, uh, black Americans. And so a million black Americans voted for Donald Trump. If that number were to go up, then there would be true panic in the Democrat ranks because what would that say about what they've done here with this BLM movement and the burning down neighborhoods and, and, and cities and all this craziness and the anti cop stuff and defund the police, it would mean that black Americans are seeing through this in larger numbers.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get
1: your podcasts. The best moments from the RNC last night weren't really the biggest name people. My favorite thing in all of it was Nick Sandman of, of Kentucky's Covington High School giving his pretty short speech on cancel culture, and then at the end donning his Make America Great Again hat, the one that started the whole kerfuffle, right, where you had a, a, a Native American activist who started a fight with a bunch of, of kids basically and was trying to intimidate them and then was part of an effort to try to ruin their lives. It's so interesting to see the way that people in the media react to the Covington High School kids. These are just kids. When it was Covington High School, all of a sudden it didn't it didn't matter that they were they were minors, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. Meanwhile, Greta Thunberg can go around pounding on the table and yelling at people and screaming, how dare you and all this I mean, why not just elevate, like, a a child king to be God and Lord over all of us, right? Why not, like, elevate a five-year-old to be the emperor of Earth? It was so—that was such an insane, insane thing. And they still act like Greta Thunberg, Oh, she's an activist. Let's listen to her. And I would say, why are we listening to her? She's she's a teenager. And I'll never forget, I actually got a little bit—there were one or two— Hosts on the couch at Outnumber gave me a tough time because I I wasn't making fun of her. I was making fun of the people who listened to Greta Thunberg and they don't make no child bashing. And, you know, the corporate media got very, oh, no child bashing. I wasn't child bashing saying if you listen to a 15 year old or 16 year old, whatever she was at the time on climate change, you're a moron. I'm not calling her. She's not she's not even she's not even old enough for me to take her opinion seriously enough, or at least she wasn't at the time you call her a moron i think she might be an adult now i don't know i think she might be 18 close to it uh, but with Greta Thunberg that was the game they played she gets to lecture you how dare you <laughs> it was so. Uh, people are such people are so dumb i don't know i don't know how they how they just go through life thinking they're so clever Greta Thunberg she's so i that was one thing if i i'm usually not I don't allow politics to dictate my uh, personal relationships. If I've known somebody for... Oh, she's 17. So see, I can't actually comment on her intelligence technically because she's 17. So when she's 18, we're allowed to finally... And they've done this before too. They did the same. How dare you criticize with that guy, uh, David Hogg, who's just like... It looks like he was created in a lab at MSNBC of the ultimate beta male. And... You know, when he he's an adult now, I can say it. He's a public figure. They, but they did this whole thing. Oh, he's just a kid. He's 17. He was trying to get people fired from their jobs. He was trying to get people canceled for disagreeing with him because he was a kid. And the media was elevating him. Oh, it was. so this is what I mean by the left has no principles. You see this play out. They, they don't. They have no principles that they will stick to. They will adhere to. And so it's all just a pursuit of power. Uh, Greta Thunberg, special invulnerability because she was a a kid. But you got to listen to her. But she's a kid, so you can't criticize her. David Hogg, now an adult, but was was technically, I think, 17 when he got involved in in the commentary. Uh, Harvard accepted him. The kid's a moron. Harvard accepted him. And the Covington kid, he wasn't trying to be a public figure. The left made him into a public figure by ruining him. Or trying to ruin him, I should say, they failed, thankfully. And you have all these, you know, Trevor Noah. Have you, uh, you talk about how you just want to punch him in the face, and that that uh, slimy idiot uh, who got fired from CNN for cursing out the president on Twitter? I can't even remember his I can't even remember his name now. Reza Aslan, e- expert in nothing. The guy who runs around throwing his academic credentials he's like a phd from the third tier uc school uh where he teaches creative i don't know creative writing or something something like that Ooh, i'm an academic i'm a scholar but he also said punch this kid in the face you know he wanted to punch this kid in the face publicly why do people why why are all these lips saying they want to punch this kid in the face he didn't do anything he did nothing he did absolutely nothing but they show you who they are. They they hate they hate Nick Sandman because to them he represents a a white conservative male from a a stable upper middle class family in a predominantly red state who's pro-life and probably likes America. And that's just a list of things that. The the left thinks are putrid. They hate all of it, and so that's why they hated this kid so much. Who got the last laugh, though, friends? Ho <laughs> oh, ho! Oh. Uh, Nick Sandman did. I don't know what the settlement was. People, some people claim it was a huge settlement. Some people say it was very small. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, we all know that at the end of the day, Nick Sandman came out of this thing the hero and the mainstream media organizations that tried to trash him as a kid with no, no compunction whatsoever, no hesitation to, to ruin this. They tried to ruin this kid. No problem. I saw it as no issue at all. Uh, it was good to see him last night giving a speech. It was good to see him stand up there. I was, that was one of my favorites. And also just what cancel culture has become. I'm amazed now. Now, li- libs are are so dumb part of the conversation that <laughs> i should write a book libs are so dumb dot 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 uh, part of the conversation on social media last night during the rnc was they were saying well why don't and they would name some person who's a, a leftist who said something like a truly horrible like you know as something deeply anti-semitic or i, I don't know just something that's really universally understood as grotesque and immoral. And and why why won't they stick up for this person being canceled? Because we're not saying there are no rules. We're saying their cancel culture rules are arbitrary and absurd. That's not the same thing as saying there's no rule, right? Or that there's no sense of, of what's proper and decent in society. You know, if I say that a person shouldn't be thrown in prison for 10 years for littering, that doesn't mean that I don't think that a person who dumps toxic waste and kills a bunch of people with it uh, shouldn't pay a very serious price. These are different things. It's about severity. It's about intent. Well, cancel culture has turned into you are held responsible for what you did a long time ago when things perhaps were uh, the, the, when standards were different or you were held responsible for what you did when you were a minor, even though it's been a long time and now you're an adult or you're held responsible, and this is really the most, I think the one that's in some ways the most troubling, you're held responsible for saying something at a time when the rules are constantly changing. People got fired at the, at the real explosion of BLM. People got fired for saying all lives matter. Think about e- Even now, that was a few months ago. Even now we think that's crazy. How could you get fired for saying all lives matter? It happened. It happened. So cancel culture is uh, nothing but downside in America, and the left wields it as a weapon against us, and they never will hold their own side to the same standard. It's just a weapon. It's just just using the system to their advantage, constructing a system that that they then use to bludgeon the rest of us into compliance and submission. Instead of making compelling arguments that convince people, instead of approaching this as a uh, good-faith exchange of ideas, they do something very different. Oh, another uh, moment last night, and this one I think is important because you're gonna you're gonna see more of this guy, you're gonna hear more of this guy. Um, this is someone who I don't you know. Ever since that movie came, A Star Is Born, actually, A Star Is Born was a pretty good movie. I did like it. Um, I know Lady Gaga's a huge lib. I'm sure Bradley Cooper is too, but I don't care. It's a good movie. Uh, anyway, A Star Is Born was born i should say last night in a sense when the kentucky attorney general cameron uh, said the following play 10.
7: i also think about joe biden who says if you aren't voting for me you ain't black who argued that republicans would put us back in chains who says there is no diversity of thought in the black community mr vice president look at me i am black We are not all the same, sir. I am not in chains. My mind is my own, and you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. Joe Biden is a backwards thinker in a world that is craving forward-looking leadership. There's no wisdom in his record or plan, just a trail of discredited ideas and offensive statements. Joe Biden would destroy jobs, raise our taxes, and throw away the lives of countless unborn children and he is captive to the radical left, a movement committed to cancel culture and the destruction of public discourse. They believe your skin color must dictate your politics, and if you fail to conform while exercising your God-given right to speak and think freely, they will cut you down.
1: This man is going to become a senator, and I think he might even try to go beyond that. A A Republican up-and-comer that you should keep an eye on, the Attorney General of Kentucky Cameron. You're in the Freedom
0: Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show Podcast.
1: It's come to my attention that Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 years old, has been charged with first-degree murder in Kenosha, Wisconsin, according to the Lake County, Illinois uh, clerk of courts records, and they have called him a fugitive from justice. This is the guy who walked up to the police to surrender himself. I saw that on video. And now the press is identifying him here. Uh, I think this is a report from, well, the Daily Dot. I don't even know what that is. But this is something that we all have to be very aware of. It's not just the Democrat politicians who will do anything to cover for and excuse and assist this movement of rioting maniacs. It's prosecutors offices too. the George Soros back progressive prosecutor project is very real. And it has resulted in terrible, terrible decisions, uh, notably in places like Philadelphia, where the. The, the way that they think they achieve social justice is by letting really bad, really bad people who do very bad things out of prison because they're worried about the disparities that the criminal justice system inflicts upon minority communities. OK, how do you deal with that? I think uh, Larry Krasenstein, I think, is the guy in Philadelphia. Uh, this is what keeps happening. Right. You saw this with at a much lower level with the people who tried to defend their homes, they spoke, obviously, at the RNC already, the McClowski's in St. Louis, when they stood outside their homes and there was initially the DA charging them for not wanting a mob to burn down their home and perhaps assault them. You know, we, we, we're going to be told by the Libs, well, that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. I don't have to be, I, I don't have to put myself in a position where I'm throwing myself on the tender mercies of the mob. I have a right to self-defense. People who are trespassing and threatening me should be met with whatever force I can muster and need to in defense of my person, my property, and my family. That's America. That's what this country should all be united behind. This shouldn't be political, but it's very political, as you know. A first-degree murder charge, based on what I saw in that video, is completely nuts. Now, there's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that... I didn't see the initial shoot. Maybe that's the one they're talking. It's, it's not clear. But I, all I do know is that there's a video of a guy who has people attack him, including one who has a handgun, and they try to hit him with a skateboard. And they, they're, they're engaged in gang assault on the street, these rioters. And the guy, there's a struggle and he shoots off a bunch of rounds and he kills somebody. We heard from Julio Rosas, who was right there as it happened. He charged that person with first degree murder? This is uh, this is wrong, friends. This isn't. A, this is well. We'll see. Uh, maybe there's again. We, there's. <laughs> it's so frustrating. I don't want to be in a position to weigh in on these things when we don't have all the relevant facts. Um, I don't want to be in a position where we have to talk about all this and then I come back and say, "Hold on! If only I had known." As we have with George Floyd. As we have with George Floyd. There's now there's now uh, reporting coming out that the uh, coroner in Minneapolis who looked at George Floyd's body did say initially, did, did t- file in the report, George Floyd had three times the amount necessary in his body of fentanyl to uh, cause an overdose, and also suffered from a severe heart condition. So George Floyd may very well, and this is going to be what the defense counsel argues, died of a drug overdose, you know, we see that knee. We don't know how much pressure was being used on the knee. We hear a man screaming out and we see a knee and we think he we, we're thinking, oh, my gosh, he can't breathe because of this knee. And that, that's the assumption that's being made. That's why I was outraged by it. Everybody I know was saying this is horrible. It's disgusting. And his body goes limp and lifeless. We say, what has happened here? This is injustice. This is evil. But if he was saying he can't breathe. If, if the knee on the neck wasn't actually blocking his airway or preventing him from breathing, and he died because of a drug overdose, as the coroner's report said, and this, all oh, this is very politically volatile stuff, isn't it? But You could say it's science. Listen to the experts. Hashtag science. That's what the coroner is here. Oh, then the family had an independent autopsy. Yeah, the, that independent autopsy guy, if he wants to keep any sense of of normalcy and safety in his own life for him and his family, he's going to say, "Yeah, of course they was asphyxiated. George Floyd was asphyxiated. Fentanyl is a very, very dangerous drug. Kills tens of thousands of Americans every year. Over seventy thousand in a bad year. Her- uh, heroin and fentanyl put together. And why didn't we know this beforehand?" Why couldn't we see the video of George Floyd saying, I can't breathe, before anybody was putting any pressure on him? He was walking around, open air. Can't breathe, can't breathe. Can't get into a car, because I can't breathe. He was just in a car. But then he has to get in a police car, and now he can't breathe. That's what he's saying. Hmm. And we couldn't see that video. No, that had to be published by a British tabloid. Nobody else could get that. And now we're seeing this report on the on the suspected fentanyl overdose of George Floyd, whom we the country has been through now months of treating like a martyr and has basically put the country into a state of, like, urban warfare thanks to the BLM lunatics. For what? Well, not yet clear, not 100%. Maybe Maybe the officer did use too much force. That's still possible. But maybe George Floyd died of a drug overdose
0: thanks for listening to the bus sex and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts all you
8: hear is donald trump and all of them talking about fear we're the ones getting killed we're the ones getting shot we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities we've been hung we've been shot and all you do is keep hearing my fear. It's, it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. The training has to change in the police force. The unions have to be taken down in the police force. My dad was a cop. I believe in good cops. We're not trying to defund the police and take all their money away we're trying to get them to protect us just like they protect everybody else and how dare the republicans talk about fear we're the ones that need to be scared we're the ones having to talk every to every black child what white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over
1: I'll answer Doc Rivers, the uh, head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, multimillionaire, celebrated celebrity Doc Rivers, who is letting you know he's, he's terrified all the time some, for some reason. Um, I don't know. Maybe the security at his, uh, in his gated community or at his mansion is, is not quite what he wants it to be. I, 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 don't, I can't answer that question. I don't know where the guy lives, but I know he's super rich, very influential, famous. That's why we're talking about him here on this show, but he's scared all the time. Sure. How many white fathers have to tell their kids to be careful during a police stop? Um, every white father who's ever talked to his kids that I know of. Right. Every white father that I can think of my own father, my friends, fathers, they would tell their kids, listen to the cops. Right. Anyone who's being uh, who, who's being. In the best interest of their children, regardless of color, would tell their kids, listen to the cops. They would not tell their kids, argue, wrestle, try to get the taser, run to your car, reach into your car. They would not tell them to do those things. Let's let's live in reality here for a second, folks. When you see these incidents that happen, are you seeing incidents of people who are saying, sorry, officer, happy to comply? Uh, I'm under arrest. All right. I'm calling my lawyer. You know? That's not what happens. That's not what is happening. People resist arrest. People want to get into a fight with the cops. People think that it's a, you know, when the police say you're under arrest or when they're trying to trying to uh, put you in the squad car, it's not a wrestling match. It's not a free for all. This is not supposed to be, oh, it's a fair fight. And if you get away from the cops, you get your freedom. No, that's not how this works. When they say you're coming with us, you're coming with us or else we don't have law and order. That's it. And if he's going to talk about fear in communities, yeah, okay. This year you've had eight unarmed black uh, people in America, according to the Washington Post, eight shot by police. You probably have about 8,000, to 8,000, African Americans uh, killed by other, uh, other individuals, not cops in this country, and over 90% of the people that murder them are going to be other African Americans. These are the numbers. These are the facts. So, the fear though is of the 8 people killed by cops. That's what that's what Doc Rivers and this is what the whole BLM movement says. That's what you should be scared of. Okay, you can also not leave your house because of lightning strikes. And you can read terrible stories about people that out of nowhere they didn't even know that there was a storm and lightning will hit them. And you could never leave your house because of that. But that would be irrational. That would be unreasonable. To pretend that people across the country are afraid of cops murdering them, especially people who are not criminals and who are not involved in resisting arrest. I mean, think, how many of you listening to this would ever raise your hand against a police officer? Would it even, would even cross your mind? I think the answer is zero percent. And in these videos, we see people that will not comply. They will not comply. Well, what's the answer to this then? Well, what, what additional training are we supposed to see? Is the training supposed to be in the case of Jacob Blake that if somebody will not comply and resist arrest and reaches into their car and you're yelling stop and you already have your guns drawn on them, that should be elevating their, could, the individual's concern for the cops are serious here. They've got their guns drawn on me. You're going to go and just try to go into your car when you have a felony warrant out for you? What What's the training supposed to be? See if he pulls out a gun or see if he pulls out, you know, a Three Musketeers bar? What, what, are we, what are we supposed to tell the cops to do here? I'm sorry, I just, I know we spent a lot of time on this today. I'm, it's just people are upset and they're upset because they don't think this stuff through. They don't know. They don't know what they're talking about. You know it's uh, if, if it's not the incident in question, oh then it's a history of racism well, if it's a history of racism that justifies people running through the streets, attacking strangers and burning down buildings when does do, do we ever reach equilibrium? do we ever reach a point where okay, there's been enough rage shown so now we can move past this you know I'm just gonna say it there are a lot of groups that have been that have been historically oppressed. there are a lot of groups that can claim the mantle of the most oppressed throughout history or the most oppressed throughout a certain time in history you know i mean uh, there's no end to that and once you start going down that pathway i i'm allowed to do whatever i want to a certain group of people because of what was done to my ancestors it's really um it's discouraging it's discouraging that this is where the country is at this point in time and that there are people who are are so uh, so reckless and so irresponsible in how they talk about this. Speaking of reckless and irresponsible, Nancy Pelosi... It's Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi's out there doing her thing. Nancy Pelosi. Here she is, telling everybody that the post office conspiracy that we all know is crap, she's out there to let everybody know that... Oh no, she, she says it's real. It's destroying our... Our uh, institutions, it's harming our democracy. Play 13.
6: It's not only a a matter of time and holding up the mail, it's a matter of workplace safety as well, in terms of what kind of people can work in the post office if that kind of machinery is not available. So it excludes some from that. So in every possible way, uh, they are uh, sabotaging the mail, they're harming our democracy, they're injuring the health of the American people, starting with our veterans, and they will be held accountable but in terms of the election we don't agonize we organize and we will make sure that people have a plan to vote they vote early enough so that they're not counting on any of the president's henchmen to deliver their mail on time
1: I mean she, she is she is just such a, a, a reckless and disgusting fraud isn't she and Pelosi is really the worst the worst but she encapsulates this She's really the, the, the height of boomer liberalism. You know, be worth tens of millions of dollars. Have no, no actual knowledge of anything other than how to be cunning and conniving in your pursuit of personal power and glory. Act like you care about the downtrodden and the poor, but never do anything for them. And just lie and, and play the game as dirty as you can to get whatever you want. And feel like you're a hero for it. That's what you get from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, sabotaging the mail. This is, this is just not true, but we all know they, they're committed to this. Democrats are worried they should be. You know who was doing better in the polls in 2016 than Joe Biden is now? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, based on the most recent polling as of this period in August, was in stronger shape than Joe Biden is. What are the chances between now and Election Day? that things look a whole lot better for Biden. Not really that strong. I mean, anything could happen. Who knows? The economy could completely collapse. I don't know. China could invade. I, mean, I can't predict the future. Nobody can. But we're going to see pretty soon here that the Democrats with their uh, public, uh, public school union buddies that have kept schools closed, it's a total farce. Schools should be open. That's what we're going to see. Schools that are open are going to be fine. 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 And everyone's going to realize, hold on a second, you mean they're just keeping us locked down because they're idiots slash cowards slash politicizing this? Yes, that is what we're going to see. You mean that we could have all had our lives back sooner and the economy up and running and fewer businesses destroyed and people can start? to Yes, that recognition is going to grow between now and Election Day. Who does that benefit? Who does that hurt? Qui bono, as the phrase goes. Biden no bono. Not going to work for him. Not going to help him out at all. So there's a, a a quiet and raising panic among Democrats as a result of this. They're starting to see that this is going to be much harder than they thought. That Joe Biden is a heavy lift for all the Democrats' machinery, all their propaganda apparatuses. It's going to be very challenging for them. And I think we're starting to finally get a a real, a real look into how the Democrats have misplayed their hand here on this law and order issue. But so what is Pelosi going to do? She's going to continue with the lies about the Postal Service, including Postmaster DeJoy. Play 14.
6: Is he qualified for this job? Well, if the qualification is that you are a mega donor to uh, Donald Trump and chair his uh, inaugural committee, that that's the criterion, uh, then he qualifies. But in the basis of knowledge of the system, he's known how to profit off of it. He's known how to compete with the post office. He just doesn't share the value of it being an all-American service to the American people written into the Constitution.
1: There you go, Nancy Pelosi, the dumbest disgrace to have ever held the Speaker of the House role in my lifetime, Pelosi.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: We're joined now by the deputy White House press secretary and friend of mine, Brian Morgenstern, who is with us. Brian, buddy, how are you?
2: Buck, it's great to be with you. I am doing great. I am so proud of you. So happy to be with you, uh, and honored to be a guest on your show. Oh,
1: that's very kind of you, sir. Man, Brian and I go way back now. We're going on like 10 years knowing each other in the media business. You realize that? It's crazy. And oh my God. Time and, flies when and, you're having fun, right? And now there, you, you are literally in the role of what a character from the West Wing was in. That's where we are in life, so. It's exciting.
2: That's right. That's right. The the real
1: life uh, Sam (laughs) Seaborn. That's right. Sort of Sam Seaborn. So tell me this, man. The president is sending uh, sending National Guard into Kenosha. Uh, Are we going to have a restoration of law and order? How is this going to play out?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Working closely, the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been working closely with the state and local officials there. Uh, The president's going to make sure that they have the support they need to restore peace in the streets. It's just unfortunate that it's taken so long. I mean, just last evening there was a conversation where the White House was offering hundreds of uh, of personnel to support, and the governor was saying, no, no, no. Uh, But I think that was a little bit of a denial of reality, and people are uh, waking up here and seeing what needs to be done because innocent citizens are being hurt, businesses are being uh, harmed, we're seeing fires break out. People, unfortunately, have been killed. Um, so the federal government is needed, unfortunately. The police power is normally at the state and local level, but the president is going to show uh, his leadership he's going to send whatever resources are needed to make sure that people are going to be safe in Kenosha.
1: And what can you tell us about the latest from, from Hillary Clinton on how the biden should never concede
2: <laughs> i mean I, I honestly thought that it was like an onion headline when I first saw it reported. I thought, she, she cannot be wading into this again. Turns out she is. Uh, and she, you know, I, I think we are old enough to remember when questioning the outcome of an election was considered dangerous to our democracy. And yet here she is questioning it before it even happens and telling the nominee of her party to ignore it, to to refuse to concede if President Trump wins re-election. That is incredibly dangerous, divisive, uh, and and so is distrust in the very foundation of of our democracy and the peaceful transition of power and the way it's supposed to work at the end of a a president's term if the president's re-elected, the transition into his new term. I mean, these are common sense, really fundamental principles here that she is just throwing to the wind it seems like after her loss in twenty sixteen maybe she's gone off the deep end a little bit here it's, it's really unfortunate uh... but it's harmful to the you know the country and, and its ability to come together so it's it's really offensive and uh... and and awful comments that that she made there but the president is focused on a fair election and on rules that make sure that it's one person one vote like an absentee ballot where the person certifies where they live that they actually do need the ballot that they are a legal voter but for some reason the democrats now want to question the integrity of the election and apparently want to just spray mail ballots uh, all over the place, including to dead people, people who have moved, people who might not be eligible, and and just have as chaotic a process as, as, as they can come up with. It makes no sense.
1: Well, that's a perfect transition. We're speaking to Brian Morgenstern, Deputy White House Press Secretary. Uh, Brian, the post office conspiracy theory Nancy Pelosi's sticking with it. She still says that they're doing everything they can to sabotage, they being, you know, this White House, to sabotage the mail. What can you tell us about what's true here, what's not, what's really going on?
2: I can tell you that it is a wild-eyed conspiracy theory, this notion that they are peddling. And you know what? They got it. Uh, uh, they, they they really messed this up because they invited the Postmaster General in to testify, and he just blew a hole through their entire theory, because the Post Office is ready to deliver mail including election mail that was never in doubt and by the way they have the funds that they need in order to do that so this whole emergency session that they had to come in and vote on postal funding was a complete canard i mean the, the entire thing was phony um, but what is at issue is what we were just talking about is this this universal mail-in or unsolicited ballot uh... you know mailing it needs to be a process where we know it's registered eligible voters requesting their ballot and then submitting it back. And by the way, submitting it back in time to be counted. That was a point the Postmaster General made, very uh, you, you know just conveying common sense to election officials, saying, "Hey, if you're going to have a lot of ballots by absentee coming through uh, the mail service, you got to plan ahead." So you have to plan to get your absentee ballot applications, you have to get the ballots out, and you got to get them back, and so that we have an election result on election day. It was common sense, and the Democrats took that and created this insane conspiracy, uh, alleging that the president was trying to somehow undermine the election, when in fact he was doing the opposite. He was trying to make sure that we have a fair and timely election. It's the Democrats that seem to be sowing chaos and accusing the Republicans of doing what they, in fact, are doing.
1: Brian Morgan Cern, White House Deputy Press Secretary. Uh, just, just real quick, what, what are your expectations for tonight with the RNC?
2: Oh, it's going to be. Uh, I mean. Terrific. I'll, I'll be careful and speak in my in my personal capacity as opposed to my official capacity. I still do have First Amendment rights. I think the last time I checked, and I can say that uh, it, you know the folks that are working on this convention, I think, have done a wonderful job on production value, and I think the speakers have been incredibly inspiring. There will be a, another round of of excellent messengers. I mean, the vice president uh, at Fort Fort McHenry, uh, I think, will be a really powerful symbol. Uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Is a fantastic uh, spokesperson for the party and the president, and for law and order and for common sense. Uh, our, our great friend Kellyanne, of course, uh, departing the White House, but we'll have an opportunity to address the American pe- the American people before she does, and that's and that's really terrific. Uh, I could go on and on and on. It's just an all star lineup of people who are going to, uh, you know. Spread the good word about the president's accomplishments and how he has led this country so ably over the last three and a half years, and how he deserves uh, a, another chance. The the other side seems to be just sowing a, a whole lot of chaos and and doom and gloom uh, about our country. The president is a cheerleader for our country, and that's the kind of uh, you know uplifting messages I think we'll hear from this from this uh, all star lineup.
1: Brian Morganstern from the White House. Brian, great to talk to you, buddy. Be in touch.
2: Buck, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast.
1: It's time for Roll Call. Roll call time, everybody! Let us get right to it. Uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to send us thoughts, suggestions, haikus, sonnets, pithy quips. I don't know if I'm leaving something out. Let me know. But all, all of those very, very good things. Um, and... With that, I've got to say, uh, producer Mark, do you have a PS4? Yes, we've go, we go over this once a week. I do. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm not the only one here, because my brother left his PS4 at my house, and I do find that it is a very enjoyable way to kill some time. Yeah. That it's, uh, but I I like I feel like I need to, like, lock it, you know, it's like some people with cookies, they need to put a lock on the cookie jar, I think I need to put a lock on the PS4 because, you know, I'm like, eh, I could do a lot of research to get started for tomorrow's show or I could wake up in the morning and do it. And it's like, I mean, do I want to play God of War or not? I don't know.
3: Maybe I do. I mean, it's a fun release, especially, I mean, you,
1: your politics 24-7, you need a couple hours just to decompress. Amen to that. All right. I'm going to take producer Mark's advice. So now, if you guys have any PS4 suggestions for me, games that I should check out or play, let me know. Just don't tell the Snow Princess, because I pretend that only my brothers make me play it sometimes. But it is kind of fun to play on my own, too. I hope Uh, she stopped listening to the show. Yeah. uh, uh. Jim, Shields High, AOC will turn 31 on October 13th, 2020. Thus, October 13th, 2024, AOC will be constitutionally... Old enough to be president of the United States. Ponder that thought. Shields, higher. Uh, yeah, that's you know that's a thing, that's a thing. Um, what are the age limits again? How old do you have to be to be a senator? How old do you have to, be to be a con congress- How old do you have to be? Um, to be president? I'm. Pre- I thought it was. Uh, is it? Is it really only? It's really only uh, no. It's thirty five. Thirty five is president. Yes, that's what I thought, Jim. That's why I had to look that up, Jim. Jim, we love you, but you know, you're getting me a little, getting me a little confused there for a second. I was like, no, you got to be thirty five to be POTUS, my man. So I'm old enough to be president. Unfortunately, I'm not on the ballot this time around because I'm going to be, I'm going to be supporting President Trump to the fullest. But you know, I don't know. In a few years, producer Mark, what job would you want? In a Buck administration.
3: For president? Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're going to start with Senate or something. Uh, Press secretary? You want to go press
1: secretary? You want to be secretary of defense? You know, bomb some defenseless countries? overthrowing Overturn their governments? I have a
3: very specific set set of skills. You know, I think you want somebody who actually knows what they're doing in those jobs. Fair enough. Press secretary, I just get to yell at the media.
1: Yeah, we could call you... That would be great, by the way. That would be... You... You taking the podium in the West Wing as press secretary and dealing with, with, like, snarky journos all day would be must-see TV. They wouldn't be able to air it live. Mm. <laughs> They'd have to go from the 10-second to, like, the 30-second. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Get the bleep machine out. I'll be fed. Now, now I want to do it. Now I'm going to run just so producer Mark can be press secretary. Perfect. All right. All right. Uh, Jeffrey. Hey, Buck, sous vide is not boiling the water, uh, boiling water. The temperature. uh, Sorry, let me restart this. Sous vide is not boiling water. The water is the temperature that you want the inside of the steak to be. The whole time the steak is bathing in its own juices and whatever rubs or whole leaf seasonings you add. Then you sear and you have a perfectly done interior with a fantastic seared crust. Man, you guys guys are just going to... You're not going to stop until I start being a sous vide guy. I can tell. I can tell how this is, you know? I I was happy with my reverse seer, but no. No, not enough with the reverse seer. Bucky has to do sous vide, too. Something like that. Just a thought. Jeremiah. Uh, Buck, I think it's very telling that during their convention... The Dems not only uh, didn't bring up the riots and unrest, um, they didn't even bring them up in an attempt to blame Trump. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, well, he, here's, here's what I think is going to happen. Ready for this? We can mark this one down. This is a buck, a buck prediction. The media narrative in the next few days is going to change from what riots to, oh my gosh, do you see these terrible riots? Why isn't Donald Trump controlling things? That's their next move. They've really gone from these riots are glorious social revolutions, yeah! To, what riots? There are no riots. It's mostly peaceful. To, why isn't Donald Trump stopping all the riots? That's what's going to happen. Watch. You'll see. They're going to try that at least. They're going to try that for a while. Philip... Many fear that China will move on Taiwan if the U.S. has a disputed election or if Democrats win. Multiple war games by China are playing out the region as China continues to expand their navy and test the resolve of global interests in the area. What do you think? Should the U.S. push for closer ties to India so that China would have to account for a Western Front in addition to South Korea, Japan, the U.S. Navy and Taiwan, maybe Hong Kong unrest, too. Um, I do think that U.S. ties to India are very important and that India will be an essential ally. It's a you know, multi-confessional democracy. There's a lot of a lot of stuff where we align with India. And um, yeah, anyway, I, look, I I think India is a very important ally for the U.S. I don't think I'm alone in thinking that way. And the warmer and 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 deeper the relations between the U.S. and uh, Indian people, the better. Uh, and 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 governments, obviously. As for China moving on Taiwan, I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It sounds like something. It sounds like we've been playing a little too much Call of Duty. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just thinking about Call of Duty right now. Uh, Philip, I I don't think I don't think that'll happen. But if we were to go into a really protracted dispute, that would have all kinds of negative ramifications. I mean, I'm sure Putin will do some stuff, and she will do some stuff. Xi Jinping. Uh, that that's there's definitely that possibility, but I, I wouldn't assume that that's going to happen based on a disputed election scenario. Jill, hi. I want to donate to a reliable group who actively works to have Trump reelected. The RNC contacted me today for a donation. But I have been severely disappointed in their lack of noticeable care, concern, and effort in support of our president. Can you tell me what group is most deserving of financial support? I don't have a lot to contribute, but I want it to count. Thanks, from a woman who supports the Constitution. Well, Jill, first of all, I really appreciate that you're trying to take action and put your money where your heart is. I... I, um... I don't know. I don't have... I don't have a good uh, answer for you most deserving I mean I would say donate to the Trump campaign right I think you can do that so that would, be, that would be my first stand if you want to help Trump get reelected donate to the Trump campaign I'm sure if you go to the Trump website um, you can make your donation there I can't think of another group that comes to mind that would be you know the one but then again I'm, I'm not I'm not that tied into that kind of beltway stuff. That's not really something I spend much time thinking about. Um, Scott writes in, Buck, I don't know if this is the right place to write, but if you're so quick to dismiss Southern Barbecue, you have sorely missed the boat. Just down the road from Kinston, you passed up Sam Jones Barbecue in Aiden. If you want a real education in Southern Barbecue, you need to come further south to South Carolina. Your taste buds have been polluted by what you think is barbecue in New York City. Whoa, shots fired from Scott here. The range is hot. All right, Scott, I'm just keeping it real. What I had in North Carolina as barbecue was bad. Okay. I look, I and I love I have nothing but love for Texas and Tennessee barbecue. And I'm trying to think where else I've had really, really good barbecue. Um, But I've got nothing, nothing, nothing but love for it. I didn't, what I had in North Carolina wasn't good. And the thing is, I was told it was good North Carolina barbecue. So that's why I was like, come on. As for uh, South Carolina barbecue, it's probably great. I got to I got to check it out. I got to try. Sam Jones barbecue in Aiden. Sounds cool to me. I'll have to give it a shot. Kyle, I first heard you substitute for Rush years ago. Glad I found you again on KSTE radio. God bless you. KSDA, uh, KSTE Sacramento in the house. Thank you so much for listening, Kyle. Appreciate that. Obviously, having the opportunity to be at the Golden Mike ever is... I would say it's a once-in-a-lifetime. I got to do it a few times, but there's nothing quite like it. I mean, there's nothing that really feels like it's that that same level of... Well, because I think there's nothing that is that same level of extraordinary... Um, extraordinary reach and influence on a radio on a radio um, microphone scott carolina barbecue is a completely different style it's like eating a lemon when you're expecting an orange whoa scott's talking some uh talking some stuff about the carolina barbecue now look I i will do a little bit of research into this i'm sure there's excellent carolina barbecue out there i just did not have it. <laughs> so I'm sure it's a thing, but it's not a thing that I experience personally.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show Podcast.
1: All right, more roll call coming your way here. We have, uh, remember, we can also take messages from you on Instagram. And if you are on Instagram and you're not yet following Buck Sexton, you're missing out. Please do follow us there. And we're going to start doing more stuff on YouTube soon, too. But, you know, busy, busy. Uh, a lot of things going on. So that's such not a good excuse I just gave. But, well, you know, it's the best I could come up with on the spot. I'm glad that, you know, I can tell what Mark is thinking right now without him having to say anything. Chris writes to us on the gram. Hey, Bucket Producer Mark, you guys are definitely knocking it out of the park. Great show. Really enjoy the Parks and Rec references. Just wanted to say, good call on pointing out how the Democrats are keeping the gyms closed in relation uh, versus Black Lives Matter in relation to coronavirus. Also, I'm so upset that the what's-her-name-Dreyfus-Seinfeld lady ruined that show for me forever. Yeah, she was speaking at the uh, DNC last week, I know. Quick question for you. Have you heard about the section of the Constitution that says if there's no clear candidate for president by January, some date, then the Speaker of the House becomes president? Just wanted your thoughts. Uh, no, Chris, I don't, I don't know what you're referring to, but, you know, then again, there's a, lot that, there's a lot that I still need to learn about, so I will certainly look into that. Um, Joe writes, Buck, why does no one ever talk about if we go the mail-in ballot route it will take months to count if not longer and Pelosi will become the interim president please talk about this on your show Joe uh, I I think I am talking about this on my show and I think that that's the whole point here is that Democrats are going with, with their version of you know postal service chaos means that if they lose the election they didn't really lose the election It means that if they get to a place where uh, they're trying to come up with an excuse as to why they didn't win, then they'll be good. Then then they have it, right? They're going to say the post office failed everybody. Tim writes, awesome interview with Pence today. What a guy. Thankful we have this administration to handle the virus on a federal level. Uh, Tim, my, Mike Pence is a very nice guy. Uh, I think he's been a real asset to the administration. He's been a very steady hand, a very steady voice on everything. And I do believe that um, the president made, a, made a, a, a strong decision when he put him in that, in that position as vice president. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that he's been excellent. And not just because he made a happy birthday message for my mom, which was also very nice of him um let's see here next up we have rebecca writes prayers your way great show god bless you well rebecca thank you so much thank you very much i appreciate that It's very kind of you um doug writes <laughs> producer mark is wrong the beatles suck mccartney and lennon are pretentious blank Blankety-blanks. Ringo is the only one who seems likable. Producer Mark, what do you say to this assault on your music taste?
3: I don't even have to respond to that. I think
1: society can. He's just going to leave. He's just going to... Producer Mark is just pointing to the scoreboard of billions of dollars spent yeah. and hundreds of millions of records slash downloads. Uh, it's sold. the bleeping Beatles. They're, they're, they are the bleeping Beatles. That is a, that is a true statement. Uh, so, yeah. Let's see here. Teal, right? Saw you on Tucker Carlson. Great segment, Teal. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Always enjoy going on Tucker's show. I think he's doing fantastic work, and uh, he is, has been a very important voice at a time when there's been a lot of a lot of pressure on people to get very very weak. Um, so you know, there's been a lot of times when the the then all of a sudden the pressure got to the point where you're being told if you don't back off you might lose your job um, so let's see here we've got some more there. oh remember producer mark what are, what is the status of our voicemail box by the way are we having tech issues or is it back up and ready
3: no uh, tech issues i don't think uh, i don't think it'll be able to be fixed ever really
1: <laughs> guys this is what happens i put producer mark in charge of the voicemail box and now I'm told that uh, no, we're having issues. You know, it's yeah. like a men at work sign that he puts on it, and I don't know if it's ever gonna that sign's ever gonna come down. I
3: heard the physical like piece of machinery actually lit on fire.
1: See, this crazy is, it's, stuff. It's like it's like having the mob in charge of your garbage carting or something. You know, they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and it's gonna happen when they say it's gonna happen, and that's kind of it. That's what the producer Mark voicemail box has become. So I don't know if that's gonna be up and running. But Team Buck at iheartmedia.com. Oh, and uh, for those of you who uh, don't know this, I've been uh, expanded on. Well, I'm, I'm going to have three hours on W.R. So if you're in the New York area, please do listen in from 6 to 9 p.m. in the New York area there, which is exciting. And uh, team, that's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for joining. Hanging out. Always a pleasure, an honor, a privilege. Tomorrow we are back into the breach together. Pass the buck. Tell someone you know to download this podcast. That's my early Christmas present and birthday present for me this year. Shields high.